0: Hello church, we are in part four of our series, and they came to Elam. And they came to Elam. I remember doing a spiritual gifts test about 25 years ago. And uh, guess what? My two strongest, my two strongest gifts were. What do you think they were? Encourager and administrator. Encourager and administrator. Not prophecy. Not words of knowledge, not like, you know, thus save the Lord in your closet. There's this coat and these things are tying it. Nothing like that. It's just like encouragement. You got this. Way to go. You can do this. You can do this. And administrator. And I was like, administrator? How does it even work? I didn't even like paperwork. Um, and anyway, this particular gifts test used the word administrator, uh, but there's other words like leadership, and there's different ways you can do it, like galvanizing. And today, I love the word galvanizer, that I'm a galvanizer, because I've seen that throughout my life. And and not all of that has been good. I remember um, when I was about seven years old, and I was showing off in front of these uh, girls. Anybody ever showed off in front of girls at school before? Well, here's me showing off. I'm only seven years old, and and um, <laughs> and for whatever reason, I started chanting this boy's name and I was going, let's get Rob, let's get Rob, let's get Rob. And I, as I'm walking through the school, chanting this boy's name, all of a sudden, uh, all these different boys started joining me. And there's this mob going through the school yelling, let's get Rob. Let's get robbed. Uh, needless to say, it didn't end well. Thankfully, this poor, innocent bystander didn't get hurt. But however, us boys got into very deep trouble and we almost got the strap. Remember the good old days when we used to have corporate punishment in schools? The old strap, you know. I remember getting booted up the backside for talking in class. And let me tell you something. I deserve that. Did I talk after that? no. Not, no, no, not at all. But here's the thing, you know, with great gifts comes great responsibilities. With great gifts come great responsibilities. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. Teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, if it is to be an administrator, or to galvanize, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. See, everyone in this room has a God-given gift. God has given you a gift, whether you know it or not. You have a gift. God has gifted you this gift. So now here's a question. Now, if we have all these gifts, and you might be sitting in this room thinking, Well, do I have a gift? Well, you do. And then the next question is this: why did God give us these gifts? So let's have a look at First Peter chapter 4. It says this in verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. Use them well to serve one, one another. Use them well to serve. One another. See, the gifts that God gives us is so that we can serve one another. That's why God gives us these gifts, so that we can serve one another, to build each other up, to make disciples. And here's the thing if you don't know what your gift is, we run this amazing program. In our church, every couple of months, called Growth Track. In Growth Track, uh, not only do you learn more about our church, but you discover your God given gifts. You discover your God given purpose. And in Growth Track, we have these spiritual gift tests that you can do. You can discover why God made you, why God wired you in a certain way. Uh, in fact, our next Growth Track is starting very soon. Once you sign up today, you can go to our website, uh, just fill in a one card, and get connected and learn your gift today. And in our growth track, we start with with a meal together. There's a kids program. It happens at 5 p.m. on a Sunday. And it finishes just after 7 p.m. So why don't you sign up today in our growth track and discover your gifts today. You know, our verse for this series is Exodus chapter 15, verse 27. And they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water. See, Elam was the first true oasis that Israel discovered or encountered after God led them through the Red Sea. Elam was a place of rest. You can imagine what what life would be like going through a desert. Doesn't it feel like we're in a desert sometimes in our life? Well, Elam was a place where they were rested, where they experienced breakthrough. It was a place of preparation where God was preparing the children of Israel for the their encounter with Him at Mount Sinai, where He gave them the Ten Commandments. So in this series, we've turned the word, the name Elam, into an acronym. The letter E stands for encounter. L stands for love. And I stands for intentionality. And this week, we're looking at the letter M. And M stands for make disciples. Make disciples. I love that. I love that we looked at where, where, where when you come to Elam, it's where we encounter God, where God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. That God wants to wants to empower you right where you are. That He wants to give you His fresh anointing on you today. And our sense for love that God has created us to love community and to love God. That when we love God, we'll begin to love people more. And I for intentionality. That we are to be intentional about our faith, to be intentional uh, uh, about our prayer life, to be intentional about loving people and, and to be a blessing to those around us. And so today we'll be looking at M for make disciples. Here at Elam, we believe that everyone is a minister. See, quite often people look at up front at the, the pastor up the front as the Holy One. He's the one that, that, that uh, does all the ministry. But the truth is, in fact, the Bible tells us that God fills all of His followers with His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. So God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you, meaning you are holy because God is holy. You are holy because God is holy. Everyone is a minister. And I love this about Elam. Elam, as a movement, we look at, we believe everyone is a minister. We believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, God fills you with His Holy Spirit, and therefore you are holy because He is holy, and He has empowered you to become a minister. You know, the last words of someone you love, someone you respect, it's meaningful. And if you're going to hear the words of a loved one for the last time, you want to make sure you hear it, and you take it very seriously. Well, the last words of Jesus is recorded in Matthew chapter 28. And so these were his last words to his followers before he ascended into heaven. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who has all the authority? Jesus has all the authority. You know, no matter what Demon comes your way. No matter what demonic force you are feeling coming your way, you need to understand the truth. They have no authority. All authority has been given to Jesus. They may come come to you and try to deceive you to give them authority. They have no authority. When you feel some kind of demonic force coming against you, go to the one who has all authority. Go to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your story. In verse 19, this is what Jesus says. And this is His, this, He's speaking to His followers. Is, is anyone a follower of Jesus here today? Well, if you are, then He's speaking to you. This is what He says to you. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What is Jesus commanded us to do. What has He called us to do? He has called us to make disciples, and to teach them to obey everything he's, that 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 He's taught us. So we are to make disciples. What's to, what's making disciples? Telling people about Jesus, not just telling about telling them about Jesus, but also telling them about what Jesus taught. And that is what He's called us to do. And this is what's called. The Great Commission, where Jesus commissions us. Some people look at this Great Commission and call it the Great Suggestion. Well, that's a great suggestion, Jesus. It's a great suggestion. But hey, you know, that's for everyone else. That's for the pastor. That's not for me. No, 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 no. God has called you. He has called you to make disciples, He has called you to, to go. Therefore, into your workplace, into your place of education, into your community, into your, into your family, and to make everyone a disciple of Jesus because one is a minister. Because God wants to use you. He wants to use you. See, you can't reach the people that I can reach. And I'm not boasting and say, oh, wow, what do you, what do you mean I can't reach the people that I can reach? Because here's the thing. I can't reach the people that you can reach. God has placed you in your workplace. He's placed you into your place of education. He's placed you into your family. See, I can't reach the people you can reach because only you can reach the people you can reach. Just like you can't reach the people I can reach because God has placed me there. God has called you. He's called you. You you are the right person for the right time for such a time as this. That's why our church mission it's to lead all people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to lead all people. Whether you know nothing about Jesus, our mission is still the same. We want to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you've been a Christian for 40 years, our mission is still the same. We want to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about making disciples. And when Jesus touches your life, you can't help but tell other people about Jesus. Just like this woman in, in John chapter 4. In this passage I want to share about this woman who's touched by Jesus. And because she's touched by Jesus, she can't help but tell other people about Him. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 4. Now Jesus, He had gone to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. So it's it's about lunchtime. The the sun is high up in the sky, and and Jesus, tired from his travel, he chose a sensible place to stop and rest, by a well with his fresh water. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Now, with this one sentence, this this one sentence that Jesus said to this woman, will you give me a drink? Now, by saying this one sentence, Jesus, he broke a whole bunch of, of society norms. He broke a whole bunch of society rules. Number one, Jews weren't supposed to speak to Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They hated each other. In fact, if a Jew was traveling and they had to, they wouldn't even go through Samaria. They'll go right around. They'll go the long way just so they won't go through Samaria so they didn't have to speak to any Samaritans and and vice versa. Samaritans wouldn't speak to any Jews. The second rule that Jesus um, broke was that men weren't permitted to dress women without their husband present. And the third rule that, that Jesus broke was rabbis, teachers, spiritual teachers, men of notability, rabbis had no business speaking to shady ladies, such as this one. And so why do I call this lady shady? Why is she shady? Because it's midday. And she's come to draw water at midday. Because you need to understand something. Women during this time would go early in the morning to draw water so they can last their family for the whole day. And you, and you certainly wouldn't go at the hottest part of the day. you go early in the morning. So why is this, this woman drawing water during the hottest period of the day when, when you're supposed to do it during the morning? It's because she was an outcast. She was isolated. Can you imagine her going to get water with the other woman and the other woman is talking behind her back saying, hey, check out that lady. Look, this is that lady that sleeps around. This is that lady that's whatever it is. You know, we can be so cruel, can't we? You know, talking about people behind their back. And here's this woman, so she goes at the hottest period of the day. Even though she's alone, at least she's not talked about. She goes there to get water. Why? Because according to society, she's not good enough. Have you ever felt not good enough? Well, there's a savior for you. Verse nine. The Sarah, Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Well, here's the thing. Jesus, He tosses the rules out. He throws it out the window. But our woman here, she wouldn't. She wasn't having any of that. She's reminding Jesus about the rules. Verse 10, Jesus answers her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. See, this woman, she focuses on the law, but Jesus focuses on grace. Instead of insisting that she pours him a drink, the Lord offered her living water. See, water from the ground was common, but living water now, now the Lord had her attention. Let's go down to verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, she wanted whatever he was offering. Because here's the thing, if she could get living water, then she wouldn't have to come back here midday during the hottest period of the, of the day. And if we're honest, we get, we get this motivation because we're, we're eager to satisfy our physical needs and we overlook our spiritual needs. See, don't we bargain with God, you know? We bargain with Him, don't we? Like, God, if You give me this job, if You give me this job, then I will follow You all the days of my life. Lord, if you could come through for me on this loan application, then I'll know you're with me. If I get this job, then I'll be more generous. You know, we make bargains with God trying to get what we want now because we focus on what we don't have. And we, and we want it right now. And we miss out on what we really need. And here's the thing. How many of us fall into that trap? Because we're focusing on what we don't have. I don't have a job right now. I don't have any finance, finances right now. Because, and then here's the thing. When we focus on those things, we're, what's our answer? The answer to all my problems is money. If I had money, then I've got all that I need. And this woman's thinking about the same thing. If I had water, then I've got all that I need. And Jesus is like, you know, you're missing, you're missing the point on what you really need. And God says... Come on, you gotta be real to yourself. You need to stop doing the things that are taking you down a slippery slope. Stop doing those things that got you in trouble in the first place. It's time to get real. Verse 16. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. And that's not an odd request because you know, women are supposed to have her husband with her when she's having a conversation with another man in public place. But Jesus' request was more about uncovering truth than following society's rules. This is what she says in verse 17. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. See, five marriages doesn't make a person a sinner. In fact, during this time, men dropped like flies because of warfare, famine, disease, and injury. So, so for a widower, she would either have to become a beggar, a prostitute, or become another man's wife. So if this woman had, had, had five husbands, then, and they've died, and then she'd been remarried so many times, she chose the better option for her. But sharing a bed with a sixth man who's not her husband, well, that's a sin. That's a sin. So Jesus affirmed her answer, but then gently exposes her sin. Jesus exposes her compromises, right? Because that we like to compromise? And God begins to expose your compromise. See, Jesus keeps it real with her. And she is confronted with the reason why she keeps getting herself into trouble. And does she fess up? Does she fess up? Well, let's have a look. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So what does she do? What, does she, what do we do when we're kind of confronted with, with an issue that's our problem? We change the subject. She changes the subject. I mean, how many times do we change the subject rather than facing up for what we've done or what we're doing wrong, we, we, we find ourselves in denial, hoping everything will come right. Well, she'll be right. You know, I, I know that I'm doing doing something right here that's not right, but hey, it's okay, we'll come, right? See, we can never keep it real with others if we can't keep it real with ourselves. See, this woman is transformed with her encounter with Jesus and Jesus wants to transform your life. He wants you to be real and he wants to be real with you. Let's go down verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me Everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards Him. So she leaves her water jar behind. Because you know these material things that we seek after? Material things like if if I had this job, if I had all this, I've had more money. Let me tell you something. Money, these things, the, the, the material things, they don't satisfy you. They may satisfy you for a moment but there's something more important that will satisfy you for a lifetime. I love this, this outcast, this reject. She found her resolve in Jesus. She found her identity and she finally felt real. Was she going to keep the secret to herself? Was she going to keep what she knew about Jesus and this man who can change her life? No, she wasn't. She was going to let everyone know, regardless of what they thought about her, And she wasn't afraid anymore. She goes back into her town and people could see her for who she really was. They could see something was different about her. She was different. And whatever she had, they wanted. So what does this mean for us? It means God wants to use you. This woman became the very first evangelist. Regardless of your past, God wants to use you to make Disciples, stop discounting your abilities. He wants to use you. Come on, in in any century, whether it's the first century or this century, our response to the Lord is the same. When we confront our true selves, we experience God's grace. We begin to share the good news and we begin to make disciples because everyone is a minister. See, when I was working at New Zealand Post, we used to do this annual survey. And this annual survey was to kind of find out like the health of the workplace. What was it like for you working in that work environment? And every year we had the same strange question. And this is the question they had in the survey at working in New Zealand Post. They said, do you feel like you're just sitting out deck chairs on the Titanic when you're working here in New Zealand Post? And this got me thinking. This, this one question got me thinking. You know, are we just making people comfortable on the Titanic? Are we just making people happy on the Titanic? Instead of getting them off. Instead of telling them that this ship is sinking. The Titanic is sinking. And there's a life raft. And the life raft is Jesus. I'm on this life raft. But hey, I'm all good. Sorry about you. Just, hey, let me just make you comfortable. Let me just make you happy. Let me get caught up in, in making sure I've got the right vaccine or who I'm, inviting, who I'm voting for, whatever. Let's, let's worry about the ministrations of the Titanic Or are we, are we worried about getting people off? See, it's not enough just to do good things. It's not enough just to make people happy. But it's about leading people into encounter with Jesus Christ. See, our tagline is better together because we believe when you encounter God you discover purpose not only for yourself but for your family for your business and for your marriage that's why we encourage people to sign up to growth track and discover your purpose today go to our website sign up for our next growth track because we believe everyone is a minister as I said you know I used to work at New Zealand Post at the International Mail Center in Auckland And as a young Christian, I I used to get blown away by the fact that God could love someone like me, regardless of what I've done, that God could love me and He could forgive me. And so I was blown away by that. And I wanted to honor Him and I wanted to love God in everything I did, even in my workplace. And so when I started working in New Zealand Post at the international airport, I didn't get involved with the social norms of my workplace. I didn't care what people thought about me. I didn't, I didn't get involved with the crash jokes or get involved on the Friday night drinks or go out, go out on a booze bus with all my workmates. And when they get back on, on the Monday and they start talking about the weekend and they'd be talking about how much they boozed up on the weekend and who they slept with. And then they ask me, Ants, man, how, how was your weekend? What would you get up to? And I'll just tell them how much I loved going to church and how awesome church was. I wasn't concerned about what people thought about me. It wasn't about what people knew about me. For me, it was about being known by God. So in my workplace, I worked hard. I treated people with the utmost respect. And eventually, I became a team leader at the International Mail Centre there at the airport. I was the youngest team leader the International Mail Centre ever had at that time. I was 25 years old when I became the team leader, the youngest one there. Everyone else there, team leaders, were in their 40s or 50s. This is... There and here's this young buck, 25 years of age, running his own team there and had a big team of guys. And, um, and when I'll be working with these guys, and when I'm by myself with them, they'll begin to funny thing. They'll begin to ask me questions about God. And and, and serious questions and about and about things. And and no matter who I worked with, I'd, I'd never brought it up, but they would bring it up. And so I when I then I started asking these guys when I was working with them and goes, hey, how about if we did a Bible study? And you know what? My workmates, they were like, yeah, let's do a Bible study. And I said, look, the only time I can do a Bible study is is on Friday nights. And that's when we did our Friday night drinks. And so at my workplace, the late shift, instead of doing Friday night drinks, we did a six-week Bible study. And let me tell you something. At the end of the six-week Bible study, four people came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. See, I'm not saying this is what you got to do. Like, go and make disciples. you got to do what I'm doing. Go and start a Bible study. Hey, look, what I did was according to my gifts. You are gifted. Maybe it's one-on-one. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. It's whatever your gift is. God has gifted you specifically for your area, wherever, in your workplace, in your place of education, whatever it is. It doesn't look like the way I did it, but God has gifted you. He's called you. You are the right person for the right time, for the right job. God has gifted you. He calls you to make disciples. He calls you to be a follower of Jesus. He calls you to go, therefore, into your workplace. Go, therefore, into your place of education, into your family, into your community and make disciples of all people because everyone is a minister. Come on, let us pray.